0: And now our
1: feature presentation, imitating art with Don and Chuck. All right, I guess I guess this is I guess we're starting this.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> you're listening to imitating art, and I'm Don.
1: Yeah, and I'm Chuck. He, he, you already tried to intro it once, and <laughs> I ruined it. I did. But that's okay.
0: What do we even do on this podcast? We talk about movies, and we try to find the lessons that are in them. And uh, decide if we should follow those lessons or not. Yeah. End yeah. Today.
1: It'll be interesting to see what lessons we find in today's movie. It's kind of like, kind of like two weeks ago when we did um, Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. where it's just about a terrible main character doing <laughs> terrible things. Yeah. Except, I That's feel this really one has cool. a
0: lot more layers to it. In a, in some ways, um, so I am I'm interested, or at least the subject matter has a lot more layers to it for me. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested in getting into it. Weirdly enough, they yeah. actually are kind of they very kind of work, similar movies. Yeah, they work together. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> we're doing Joker, by the way, but yeah. we'll we'll get to that in probably eight, eight minutes, minutes or so, plus a commercial. <laughs> yeah. So, um, been watching anything?
0: Uh, no, again, I've been, uh, well, actually I have, but I, 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 told, I just told you I'd watch the boys. I kind of, I kind of watched the first season over the course of a day or two. Um, it just kind of, I had a, I had a day where I didn't have, really have anything to do and the weather wasn't good. So I spent the day watching, you know, six episodes and then I finished the next four the next day, but I've been really, really liking it so fun show and kind of but it also touches on a lot of like important topics as well
1: yeah i mean i i know enough about it to know that it touches on important topics but i don't know anything really about the story mm-hmm. so i am looking forward to, i'm looking forward to watching season one and it's one of those interesting things where like season two is is out or started already and I felt like I had more time to watch season 1 before season 2 started. Like it doesn't seem like it's been that long since season 1 came out. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I think it was
0: the it must have been the the press for season 2 is what was enough to get me to be curious about it and then look into it and then I just fi- finally decided to watch it. Um and I I've heard from enough sources that it is a show worth watching, so I finally decided to check it out. And after the first episode, I was hooked on it. So,
1: it's good. Yeah, hooked hooked on the boys.
0: <laughs> you know, you know me. Uh, have, <laughs> you, <laughs> have Have you been watching anything?
1: Yeah. So actually, like two days ago, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Alex and I finally started watching Shit's Creek. Mm. Uh, which have you watched it at all?
0: No, that that that's another one that's on my list where I'm like, okay, I've heard it's great and it's winning all of these awards. I should probably check it out one day.
1: Yeah. Um, well, before I actually talk about talk about the show, I will say about the awards, it's like this crazy thing that just happened at the Emmys the other night. Um, I haven't watched season six, so I don't know anything about it yet. I'm only we're only like getting close to the end of season two, um, and season six isn't on Netflix anyway yet, but. So Daniel Levy, Eugene Mm -hmm. Levy's son, who Mm -hmm. plays his son on the show, um, wears many hats on this show. Mm -hmm. So at the Emmys, he became the first person to win for producing, directing, writing, and acting all in one night. Wow. Yeah.
0: I think that's enough enough of an endorsement (laughs) to, to make me check it out.
1: And and his character is, like, the standout character that everyone loves.
0: Mm-hmm. He's
1: great. But um, it's one of those shows where I had watched the pilot for it back when there were only, like, two seasons. So, like, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those shows where either people or Netflix or, you know, the internet was like, oh, you like Arrested Development? Check out Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Which is not the way I'd ever try to sell it. Because if you want to watch Schitt's Creek hoping for... Arrested Development, or anything like Arrested Development, you're going to be disappointed. I was disappointed the first time I watched the pilot. Uh, It's also just got one of those stupid plot devices that starts the show, Mm -hmm. and then just affects the whole rest of the show, so you just kind of have to choose to buy into it at a certain point. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, But like season one was fine, and I think season two is getting better as it goes along, so... Good. Yeah, I I mean, I I will. I I will
0: check it out one of these days for sure.
1: Yeah, because I didn't like the pilot the first time, I was apprehensive about trying it a second time because I didn't want to not like it again. Mm -hmm. But uh, actually, gave it time to grow Mm -hmm. on me this time, and yeah, nice.
0: Um, I like it.
1: We did a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We did watch the social dilemma the other night.
1: Okay, how was that? I hear wonderful things.
0: Um, it, was, it was good. It was, you know, the way documentaries can very often be kind of forced their idea down your throat. It's kind of what this was. And, and it was another one of those things where it's like, it's nothing I didn't already know. But, it, you know, seeing all the information all put together. And, you know, I'm sure there, was, there were some of the analytics that they put out there were like the amount of teens that are X, Y, or Z. I didn't know all the statistics, obviously, but um, it, it is really interesting to see it all put together and take some time to think about how much time we spend online and how we're being sold to and all that stuff. Um, and maybe I'm uh, buying right into it, but I'm like, ah, that's that's just for people that don't know what they're doing. It's it's not affecting me. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, but it is. It was interesting when they delved into the like political aspect of it, like how people are kind of getting stuck in their own bubbles and how it's allowing certain groups to push their ideas and to to people who are vulnerable to being coerced by them. So once again, things that I've already read about and things that I already know in a way, but it is kind of nice to have it all in one succinct uh, documentary to watch. Um, So I would say if you, if you, it's interesting enough to check it out, um, but don't expect anything revolutionary.
1: Okay. I, I, I don't think I was expecting no. anything revolutionary, <laughs> but it's good to get the confirmation.
0: Yeah, That's it's what you funny call it you say confirmation bias.
1: No. The the thing about getting like people getting stuck in their own bubbles. Uh, uh, when you said that, I realized that for for years, people have been saying, you know, you can't have a civilized discussion with like people who disagree with you on the internet because people just start yelling, and ignoring so it's better to do that face to face but it's 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 leaking out yeah (laughs) into the way people actually act and i think that's the scary part yeah um when people start acting in a grocery store the way they would act on facebook right
0: and i mean unfortunately uh i mean i guess there there is a correlation there with the fact that people are becoming more, uh, feeling more free to express their previously underground opinions about whatever, white nationalism or whatever whatever you want to go with there, because they feel yeah. more protected by, X, well, what we won't even get into the politics of it, but you know, uh, if they feel more brazen and they can go out and say what they want and they feel like they can get away with things in the real world, then that is... A, a dangerous problem that we have
1: yeah and I mean I I use first first of all I think it's funny that you think uh, racism was a previously underground mentality <laughs> well
0: I guess I mean <laughs> I, I, I maybe what I mean by white now that maybe it was more underground than it seems to be now <laughs> like obviously we had right. it all there but I mean they we, we didn't see people showing up at state houses trying to you know fight for white rights like they did long you know in the 50s or something
1: yeah no i i get you um i mean i use like facebook and instagram and to a lesser extent twitter every day or most days but huh fuck them Hmm. Uh, if they if they went away i wouldn't really miss them
0: yeah shout out to uh imitating art pod Um, we are, (laughs) we are on all social medias and we are here to, uh, distract you from all of the white nationalism. (laughs) So, yeah, well, I think that's a good jumping off point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. None of the white nationalism, all of the white guilt. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. We're, we're, (laughs) we're, we're kind of, we're kind of trying to work in the opposite direction here. Yeah. So, except for today, except episode for this episode. week's episode, of course, <laughs> and you know, eighty percent of our catalog so far, but uh, yeah. we're we're working on balancing it. It's out.
1: It's, it's, it's 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 unavoidable. It's just unavoidable.
0: wait, just wait until Halloween. It's gonna be all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are all we right. taking a break?
0: Yeah, let's take a quick
1: break. Okay. Do. <laughs>
0: So, what movie are we talking about again? (laughs)
1: Uh, I believe it's Joker. All right.
0: What do you get when you...
1: Joker's Wild, is that a movie?
0: That's the one, yeah. I think it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt and George Clooney, Matt Damon, (laughs) Cedric the Entertainer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're going with uh, another sequel to (laughs) Ocean's Eleven, but with Robin from Dark Knight Rises?
0: Robin. Oh no! Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Joseph
1: Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, did he you was mean Heath Ledger?
0: Ledger? No, I meant I, when I really thought there was like some poker movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it, and that was called Joker's Wild or something like that. Ace is wild, Deuce is
1: wild. Uh there was a Ben Affleck movie called something Aces. See, Smoking, wanna, smoking Aces.
0: Yeah, Ben Affleck. Yeah. To To it was Matt Damon like movie. To Matt Damon was in Arsh- Ocean's Eleven with George Clooney, who was Batman, and then Batman became the one with Christian Bale, who had Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean more directly, Matt Damon <clears throat> was in Rounders, which is a poker movie, <laughs> and true. also in Ocean's Eleven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do love Rounders. That's one of that's one that's probably one of my favorite like poker kind of movies, and one of my favorite Edward Norton, Edward Norton movies other than Fight Club. Well,
1: there aren't a whole lot of poker movies.
0: No, but of the ones I've seen
1: <laughs> i I only finally got around to rounders uh within the past five years, I think, and I mm-hmm. thought it was okay
0: I think maybe a lot of my appreciation of it comes from when I watched it along you know long ago, so I have a little bit of nostalgia for it.
1: yeah I, well, I also just really I probably had high hopes for it I mean it's Matt Damon and Edward Norton in like <laughs> two thousand together in a like crime drama about poker
0: yeah it was fun
1: yeah i mean it was enjoyable i just thought it was only okay but Mm -hmm. i only watched it the once so it's hard to tell sometimes anyway that's not what we're talking about
0: no we're talking about what do you get when you cross uh, an art major and a cinematography major a podcast about joker Okay. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: That's your joke. That's my joke. It's 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 killing in the s- Southern America.
1: Well, it's killing me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yes, Joker.
1: Uh, yeah. So, as I said to you previously, well before we were recording this, uh, it's been about two weeks now, so it's about time we got back to the. Play of the white man. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes. He's very white, too, because he paints his face to be a clown.
1: That's true. Um, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, I think I think you could get away with calling Joaquin Phoenix very white. I, I think
0: he defines whiteness in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I, I think that the beginning where he's laughing, like he starts off the movie with that laugh. And it's just so, like, haunting and sad. <laughs> and you can you see him, like, watch him try to stifle the laugh because he's, you know, not doing it on purpose or whatever. But it's just, like, very creepy and very, yeah. very well executed.
1: I like that we find out it's a condition a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, they give us the creepy laugh first. And then, like, five minutes later, they reveal that it's a condition he has and he can't always control that he starts laughing and then can't stop once he starts. Right. Um, so, so I, I think that that's a good decision right off the bat for them to do, because one of their difficulties in making a movie about the Joker is that he, he, in the comics, like he doesn't have one backstory and he's the kind of character where it's hard to have him still be compelling if you know where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. Although I think they did a fantastic job. So the fact that they started off with making him come off creepy before they explained why he was being creepy, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was done on purpose to to sort of look at that idea of explaining it makes it less creepy. But, right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, I think I had a, I think I had a complete fault somewhere in there.
0: I think uh, it was a good device. I mean, not to get too uh, deep into it already, just to, to start off. But I think that is, a, it was a good device to have the beginning of it be like, oh yeah, this guy is creepy and weird, and have the audience think all those, all those things about this character before we start learning about his history and his mental illnesses and his issues. Because that's basically what the movie talks about, how society treats the mentally ill. So we look at them and we walk away and we say they're crazy and we relegate them to the sidelines.
1: Yeah, well, the the first thing that happens after he puts on his his clown makeup is... So uh, it's uh, about Arthur uh, Fleck, who has a litany of mental disorders... I assume. It takes place in the 70s, so it's not like most of and, them would be diagnosed.
0: And he's on seven pills, um, we find out at some point. Seven medications.
1: Yeah. But the first thing that happens to him is he has a job uh, dressing up as a clown to, like, you know, hold and wave signs around on the sidewalk to get people to go into stores. And a couple of asshole kids, like, take the sign, attack him, run. He chases them and then they just beat the crap out of him. So already you're on his side. Mhm. We're not going to stay on his side for the entire ride, but I think it was important for us to be on his side at least from the beginning.
0: Yeah. Until
1: we start seeing him make the wrong decisions.
0: Right. Well, we get, you know, we get to the point where he's talking to his social worker and you know, he's, he's being a little weird and she's being a little like clinical and not really giving him a lot of attention, but she's asking him a few questions enough for him to kind of retort with her. And he's, you know, they start talking about how crazy it's getting. Uh, they, there's slight exposition about what's going on about like the trash piling up and the garbage, I think there was a garbage strike and there's like super rats mm-hmm. in, in Gotham and like, they're just talking about how crazy everything's getting politically and, you know, and then we find out later that Thomas Wayne is going to be, he wants to be the person that is elected to clean up the city. So, um, and that plays into it a little bit later as well.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's good storytelling wise that in that scene where he's talking to his therapist when he first meet her, um, he's already frustrated by the system yeah because uh, he he like he wants more meds like it's it's very clear and he keeps that creepy fucking diary um yeah. <laughs> with all the <laughs> weird violent drawings and scrawlings of a madman in there but it, it's just clear from the beginning that the system has already been failing him and he just wants to not feel bad i, I think he says yeah. something along those lines yeah. I just want to not feel sad so anymore, or something yeah. like that, yeah, um, which is why he wants more meds, yeah. and he, he, he wants to be a comedian, so his diary is also his joke book, and the therapist <laughs> is, is looking through his joke book, and she finds, th- the one joke she looks at is, I just hope my death makes more sense than my life. Yes, sense, C E N T S. C N T S, which, by the way, is a really great sentence.
0: Yeah, (laughs) for someone who's
1: not a writer to write, you know, Um, like it's very poetic and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Which I think means that Arthur probably does have some sort of talent in there, but he has absolutely no focus and no help. So,
0: and also then, I mean, he, he wants, he wants to get up there and he wants to be liked and seen and, you know, and whatever he wants to be on stage. But when he's, he's watching other people do comedy, he's kind of there observing them and he's not reacting the way that everybody else is. Like he's not making the connection, the social or the societal connection that everybody else is making when the, when the comic says something that the whole room laughs at, he doesn't laugh, but he makes a note about the other people who laughed. And then the comic will say something mundane, and he does that creepy, loud laugh at it. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's just kind of interesting to see him sit there in a room where he, you know, his perception of the world is very different than everybody else's.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that he wants to be a comedian just because he wants to be liked. Uh, because that's kind of his whole thing. That's all he really wants, mm-hmm. the entire movie. Is just for people to look at him and just see a human
0: yeah, and res- respect like him.
1: Yeah. him. Um, and just time after time, not getting that because of how he looks or how he comes off. Yeah. And then again, not getting the help from the system to help him yeah. feel happier so that he wouldn't creep people out all the time. I would be creeped out if I saw him on the yeah. street you know
0: yeah i am like um,
1: 50 pounds underweight
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i uh i mean it's kind of just like a one after the other that besides him getting jumped while he's spinning his sign the woman on the bus telling him to stop messing with her kid when he's just like making faces and making the kid laugh and basically doing yeah, what he because loves he, he can't
1: to... stop laughing
0: yeah. right and then that and i mean one after the other then the people the, the guy's on the on the train which who he ends up that's the first people he ends up actually, you know, retaliating against because he has a gun at that point. But, like, it's just one after the other. Like, he, he just gets pushed to his breaking point because he doesn't get any, any respect from anyone. And then the people he does get attention from, it's the negative attention.
1: You know, there's got to be a comedian out there who has made a career about getting no respect.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Arthur should have been that guy.
0: <laughs> Could have been in the seventies or so.
1: Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield was actually in an episode of Home Improvement we watched recently. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was. It was weird.
0: Sounds like anyway. a very weird nineties thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so in Joker, they they do also mention that he's been locked in the psych ward before. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, but we don't know what happened right. or why and i don't think we ever find out but that probably means at some point he posed a danger to someone
0: right or at least they or thought himself he did or, yeah.
1: or himself very possibly himself
0: um and it, it, in his in his journal that you mentioned uh at one point he starts he wrote he writes the line uh, people want you to be to behave as if you don't have a mental illness like that the problem is it says something like the problem with society is that they expect you to act like you don't have a mental illness. Or that's how they treat it. So Yeah.
1: um,
0: so this stuff all kinda builds all up before or as right right around the time where he ends up killing three guys on the subway for jumping him basically just because he's sitting there sad in his clown makeup and they come bully him for being (laughs) you know, for being a clown because they're just you know, they just they just want somebody to pick on basically.
1: Yeah, and they're, I think they're drunk and just being assholes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this was the second time I'd seen it. I'd forgotten that because he got mugged in that opening sequence, that a co-worker of his brought him a gun, gun just for protection. Right. And it's just such a great, like, Chekhov's gun. <laughs> like, you give Arthur this gun, and something bad is going to happen. Is this um, a,
0: a gun in the first act?
1: Uh, Chekhov's gun. Mm,
0: no, but I'm just saying, is this a gun in the first act?
1: Is this a gun in the first act?
0: Yeah, would this qualify and that? Like, if you if you have a gun in the first act, you have to use it, basically.
1: Uh, it doesn't have to be. I, I don't think it has to be in the first act. Uh, I think it's just. I thought that was it, like, the saying. Oh, well, so it's it's something like if there's. Uh, a gun over the mantle in the first act, someone better shoot it in the second act. Okay. So, so, you are right. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. But you are right. <laughs> um, but that was Chekhov. Uh, and we're talking, we were talking, uh, when Lauren asked about the best number between one and seven. Uh, we talked about, uh, three being the magic number. Uh, I noticed that there are three gun scenes after he gets the gun. There's mm. him uh, taking it out and dancing with it, again, very creepily, uh, clearly not understanding the power of it, mm-hmm. just kind of pointing it around willy-nilly, dancing with it, and then accidentally discharging uh, it, it. it yeah, in his house. Um, then there's him, again, not taking full responsibility of it, just having it loose in his pants when he's dancing in, in the children's hospital and it falls out of his pants uh and skitters around, it doesn't go off. But uh he he gets fired, he loses his job because of that. And then, you know, pull that gun out the third time is when he's getting bullied by the guys in uh the train and just he's clearly he already has had enough by the time the movie even starts. So, they, and they just turn off that tension for him. Like, he takes care of his disabled mom. Uh, he got fired from his job. No one respects him. He can't get his meds. So, by the time these guys bully him, he just has had enough. And even though, well, we'll talk about that in the lessons so Mm -hmm. he he, he kills them he kills what like three guys three three guys something like that and they're all like in nice suits they're like Wall Street types and I think they even call them Wall Street guys at one point in the movie even though this is Gotham City and not New York City Mm -hmm. so I don't know if there's a Wall Street in Gotham City but and you know he shoots them and, and runs and inadvertently starts a movement
0: yeah when, it, when they find out that someone in a cl- in clown makeup killed three Wall Street guys the 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 rest of the city kind of explodes in this kind of uh, war between the rich and the poor because you know the wealth inequality has become very skewed in Gotham and very obvious where you have people on the streets versus people like Thomas Wayne who live in mansions and then so it finally came to a head there where they had like this, Person to look up to who finally did something about the rich people that they see as the plate on their, you know, on their city. So now they're fighting back and all wearing clown masks while they do it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's actually a really great slow build throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, uh, I, I like that. It, I like that there is traction. some.
0: I like that there is a lot of like slow movement in that. This, like you said, the slow build. There's not a lot of big crazy scenes. There's no car chase. There's no, you know. There's no scene where everybody's rioting. The only scene where you see the the crowd gathered is when the when Arthur is kind of snaking through the crowd, w- looking at what he's built, basically in the middle of the movie, mm-hmm. where he's like, these, "These people are all doing this because of me," and he's got that big smile, and he uses that chance to like sneak past the police barricade. So, uh, I, I like that it wasn't a bunch of big explosions leading up to everything, which made the actual big explosion at the end much more uh exciting to watch
1: yeah like yeah because it's not like you said it's not like a big action sequence but it that ending sequence just carries so much weight Mm uh because of everything we've been through yeah uh, with arthur and and with gotham
0: yeah well, um, so he's yeah. like, You already mentioned that he's like dancing creepily, but he's he's pretty excited to have this power and have the gun to protect himself. But then, like he does that creepy dance a lot. Like that goes along with his laugh really, really well. Like just like that slow motion kind of creep. I don't know, I don't know how Joaquin Phoenix does that, but it's very <laughs> it's it's very interesting and very creepy.
1: Well, first he loses a bunch of weight, so that <laughs> every time he moves, it looks slightly unnatural because yeah. He had to be close to death.
0: Looks, like, it's, it's very snake-like.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that he loved having the power when he was holding the gun. And and he actually he was holding like a sexual power when he held the gun because as he was dancing he was pretending that he was hitting on a woman like at a club. Right. And then like brandished the gun while he was doing that. Uh, you know, just pretending to do it in his living room but he kind of seems like he innately connected power and, and sex in his head there. Yeah. But power, other than being liked, obviously Arthur has been shit on his whole life. He wants power too. Yeah. Uh, because he's he never he's never had it. So when he gets the chance to use it, uh, especially against people that he probably I don't think he explicitly states at least in like the first half that he thinks. Like, the Wall Street guys are, like, keeping him and people like him down. Yeah. Especially since his mom has such reverence for Thomas Wayne. (laughs) But, yeah, just the power over the people that he feels has power over him.
0: Yeah, and it seems like he feels like the system is letting him down and that people, that generally everyone is disrespectful to him. He didn't have any plans on starting a social movement against the rich. That happened inadvertently because he killed people who were picking on him and then suddenly people picked up on that and took it as a sign of a movement. He even says at one point where when Murray asks him, Did, did you start this movement? did you want to start this movement? And he says, No, I'm not political. You know, he's like he's not political. He wasn't trying to start a movement, but he's happy to have started something. He's you know, he is now the 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 cause of something great that's happening that he sees as great.
1: Mm-hmm. I just want to briefly talk about Murray Franklin for a second, because A, when I first started putting it in my notes, I put Franklin Murray, which I think I like better. But so uh, aesthetically, uh, Joker feels a lot like a a 70s crime drama, specifically Martin Scorsese uh, crime dramas from the 70s. So if it didn't feel like a Scorsese movie already, it even opens with like an old Warner Brothers logo from the seventies. Yes, I noticed that. Um, <laughs> and like the font for the Joker is like an older font. Uh, so that's very much the.
0: That's very much like the comic book Joker font. I noticed that, and I and I like that about it as well.
1: Yeah. Um, but if it didn't already feel like a Martin Scorsese movie, having Robert De Niro come out uh, just really solidified it. Yeah. Um, and it is, like, one of the critiques you could say about this movie is that most of it's already been done in one way or another in across various uh, Scorsese movies in the 70s and into the 80s. But I don't give a shit. I still like this
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. It, and it was great. And, and Robert De Niro was great as as Murray. He was... Like at first you see him, and you're like ah, is this is he gonna work as a as a late night host, but he really like gets he he he, he plays it very very well um, right. like, Especially he from feel the like time period yeah and he doesn't feel like he's trying to be anyone as much as he feels like he's just being someone that could have easily existed in the seventies or or eighties as a as a talk show host
1: yeah like yeah, like you said, he's not like imitating like Carson or any of the famous, mm-hmm. like Ed Sullivan. Any of the famous hosts. He's just—he's basically just being Robert De Niro. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I like the, his theme just song. Just reading his lines.
0: Is that or like his sign-off line and his themes on are, That's life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is the creepy end song from the movie as well. Yeah, and
0: somewhat of a flippant way of saying like, "Oh, well, the system is against you." That's life.
1: That's true. Uh, Real quick, because I'm going to forget, I was going to save this for lessons, but uh, you already talked about the, the super rats, and <laughs> I just thought it, it was interesting that there, we start the movie off with uh, Gotham being overrun by super rats and garbage, which are like the lowest of the low things, but... These are huge problems because Gotham is not equipped to to handle them mm-hmm. for some reason. So, and I think that's a, like a metaphor for the the low class society in Gotham. Okay, overrun like by it's, rats, it's, yeah, it's gonna burden. it's gonna yeah it's gonna be this problem if you don't find a way to take care of it. Hmm. But you're not equipped to take care of it because you don't give a shit about these people. Right. So it's gonna be a problem. Yeah. Uh, or, anyway, I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. I was just excited that I, I didn't I didn't think of that at all, so that's good. Thought of it this time.
0: I, uh, I do like Robert De Niro's, uh, Murray's little uh, intro to the show when they open up, where he says, You heard about the super rats? Uh, the mayor has a solution super cats. <laughs> 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 that was like such yeah. a good like opener like monologue line, like bad joke line from from a from yeah a comedian. I was
1: gonna say such a great bad joke like yeah. I I always want talk show monologues to be better
0: yeah I could have heard I, I could hear Jay Leno saying that
1: <laughs> yeah heard about this do you know about this <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> that's mostly what Kevin what the hell was Kevin's last name. The guitarist on the Jay Leno's show. Um,
1: oh, uh, I, I don't remember. Yeah, he would.
0: But I feel like that's that's mostly what he was there for, just bringing like, you, you heard about this? Here? <laughs> so we he can look at somebody besides the camera or the audience. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but yeah, that was that was a good little uh, little. They play. They had a little fun with that to remind you of the the super
1: Rats. Oh, I almost forgot uh, Arthur's mom Penny, which I thought was another good use of like. The penny is like the lowest coin.
0: Hmm. Uh, never, never thought of that
1: either. <laughs> like it, a penny is is worth nothing, and hmm. she gets treated like she's worth nothing. Um, but that's not true because a penny does have value, um, mm-hmm. and you add up enough of them, you got yourself five pennies. <laughs> um,
0: we talked to they, we talked about the rich versus the poor. And at one point they even mentioned the fact that they think the poor are clowns, like they just think they're a joke, so they're, they're nothing to be mm-hmm. worried about. So I, I like that they actually made that comparison, and they, that the, the people that are rising up, all these pennies that are working together, are, you know, just uh, leaning into the to the metaphor. They're like, okay, you think we're clowns? We're all clowns, then. Put on a clown mask, and if there's enough of us, then you have to actually look at us.
1: Do I amuse you? <laughs> um as Arthur is starting to feel seen because of the movement rising up, there you go. Um, he starts getting more confidence. Right. Uh, so when he goes to see his therapist again, he actually like calls her out and yells at her for not listening to him. Yeah. Because she just asked, you know, he's like, you just ask the same questions. It just, this is what I need. Like, yeah, just listen to me. But she still doesn't listen to him because there's nothing she can do. Uh, the city is cutting funding for uh, these programs yeah. that, he, that he belongs to. Right. So he's not going to have his therapy. He's not going to have his, his medication. Um, so, but he still has a little bit of that confidence. Like, it sucks, but he still has a little bit of that confidence. So he goes and he does comedy. He finally tries to do, like, an open mic night. <clears throat> and...
0: Before we get there, the one that while he was talking to the therapist, I like that he, he actually says, what he's saying to her is, I didn't know when all of my life, I didn't know if I existed. He was like, people don't listen to me. I just want to be heard. I didn't know if I actually existed. And now I know I exist. <laughs> like, so he, this is what, that's kind of a turning point for him right there. This is what we're just what we've been talking about is that he's being seen now. And he's talking to his per- this person, the social worker that's supposed to be there to help him. And he's like, "Are you you really are not listening to me? Did you hear what I said? I don't. I didn't know if I existed. That's that's like uh, that's a huge thing." And suddenly he's like, "Now I realize." And she then she tells him that basically nobody in power gives a shit about you, especially. But they also don't give a shit about me because I'm losing my job. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, we can move on from there. We'll come back to that, but. Uh, but I thought that was a really important scene.
1: Yeah, it was, and actually, I, I should have noted that because it, that is very pivotal. My fault. <laughs> anyway, so, so he goes to do comedy, and I I only watched this a couple of days ago. I, I can't remember specifically. I know it plays out as if he's killing it, and the audience is laughing, and he's just smooth. Yeah, that's how. It's, but it's very quickly thereafter when. Uh, you see the clip of it on Murray's show uh, because someone he was doing actually such a bad job of performing the comedy that someone filmed him doing it and sent it in to, to Murray Franklin's show and Murray plays the clips basically just to embarrass and make fun of Arthur uh-huh. um, and like this is Arthur's Like, it's his dream to do comedy, but it's also his dream to be on Murray Franklin's show. Uh, It's, like, that kind of weird setup where he he almost feels like Murray Franklin's a little bit of a father figure to him. Yeah. Because he didn't have a dad, and he just grew up watching this guy on TV his whole life. And it's it's who he wanted to be. You know, Murray Franklin's a comedian. That's why he has this late-night talk show. Yeah. Um,
0: And then there's that sad irony when he starts to realize... He's on the show, and he gets excited about it, and then he sees that the reason that he's on it is because he's poking fun at him for being a bad comedian. <laughs> so he thinks he's getting the laugh, but then he realizes he's being laughed at, which we all know can be infuriating if somebody is laughing at you just for the sake of, you know, making fun.
1: Yeah, just for a three-minute bit before the commercial, you know? Yep. Um, so, while that's going on, during, during all of this, uh, Arthur's mom, Penny has been trying to write letters to Thomas Wayne, send, mm-hmm. send letters to Thomas Wayne because she used to work for him and she knows in her heart he's a good man and if she could just get it through to him that they are so poor. She used to work for him, he'll take care of them. She just has this belief that the richest person in town is just going to give them money out of the goodness of his heart, not that Thomas Wayne isn't someone who's going to give to charity, but just giving someone money is always—it's much more risky than giving it to a charity. Right. So, rich people don't tend to do it; mm-hmm. they don't get anything out of it. Um, especially if that money ends up getting misused, to, you know, for drugs and alcohol and or stuff if, like
0: that. Or in this case, if that money is traced back to him and somebody can find out that he has an illegitimate child. But he doesn't. Right, but I we'll right, right. <laughs> but I'm saying that could be another one of those things that could be portrayed poor, uh, poorly yeah. in the press for him if he's seen giving money to somebody who's trying to basically yeah. not blackmailing him but saying I want money for me and your kid.
1: Yeah, so so uh, yeah, Arthur finally gets a hold of one of these letters and in the letter it details how Arthur is Thomas Wayne's kid. Gets in a huge fight with his mom goes to to see Thomas Wayne doesn't get to see Thomas Wayne, but he gets to see Bruce Wayne and some British butler.
0: <laughs> you mean uh, you mean Alfred?
1: Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't think they said his name. I think they, they didn't. But I think British...
0: he was. I think he was credited as Alfred. As Alfred. Oh, was it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised, but I just like that they didn't say his name, but it's blatantly Alfred. <laughs> we know. Uh, uh, basically, Arthur shows up being his creepy self trying to do a little bit of magic, but, like, touching young Bruce Wayne in the face and yeah, stuff. It's that weird. Was weird. It's very uncomfortable. And it the weird part is the way that Bruce just stands there. But yeah. maybe he's afraid. I don't know. Um, it's very possible that he just kind of doesn't know what to do in this situation. He's, yeah, like, true. eight at this point. Um, but Alfred comes, kicks him out, tells Arthur, you know, you're not Thomas Wayne's son. Your mom's a kook. You are adopted, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like the record scratch for for, for Arthur. For Arthur, yeah. So uh, he investigates. Yeah. He goes and he finds. Well, actually, first some uh, some cops show up. Uh, he, Murk. He, he goes back. Yeah, he, he he goes back to his apartment where his mom is being rushed off in an ambulance Um, and while he's waiting at the hospital two cops show up with which uh uh, what's that actor's name shea wickham maybe yeah
0: yeah i think that's right
1: uh does he ever play anything that is not law enforcement
0: (laughs) what else do i what do i know him from
1: so uh you know him from boardwalk empire
0: okay that's the one that i'm thinking of that's why i know his face so well yeah
1: yeah that's where he played Nucky's brother, who was the sheriff.
0: Right, exactly. That's exactly what I what I'm thinking of. I'm, and I'm I'm sure I've probably seen him in other stuff as well. But that's why I, why his face was familiar.
1: Uh, he was in that TV miniseries about Waco, where he played an ATF agent. Hmm. And I know he was in something else fairly recently, where he played another cop. And then this, where he's a detective. Hmm. And I just I I can't remember the last time. If ever that I've seen him in anything where he wasn't playing some sort of law enforcement official. Anyway, they want to talk to him in connection to uh, the killings of the, the Wall Street guys. Right. Who are Thomas Wayne's employees, by the way. Um, but he actually kind of just, you know, flips them off and walks away. He thinks he's walking in, walking out in a very cool calculated way and then bumps into the glass door because it's an accident <laughs> um, you know he just doesn't care like th- yeah. these are people who are supposed to protect the citizens of, of Gotham and this is probably the first time he's ever actually talked to one yeah um,
0: it plays a little bit like uh, Nightcrawler where he you know he sees the cops and he doesn't, he doesn't really he doesn't get scared he doesn't bat an eyelash he just he keeps his cool and Walks away.
1: Yeah, Arthur just sits there smoking. I think he's smoking a cigarette, right?
0: He is, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, I, yeah. Anyway. So, so then he starts to investigate... Uh,
0: his mother his, and his upbringing. His, his
1: his yeah, his mother's, like, hospital records. Mm-hmm. And he finds that she, she was... First, he smashes his head against, like, a, a window, basically, Phone to... <laughs> To, to get, well, to get the file. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, the, 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 the guy won't give him the file because he needs the paperwork. And Arthur just starts smacking his head against, like, the little window thing that's there. And, right?
0: No, he just, he reaches through the little vestibule hole in the bottom. Oh, and yeah. Then, and then I, steals I, it from him.
1: I must be combining the two
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: scenes. Because I think, now that you say that, I expected it to happen when I watched it this time. Okay. And it didn't. But it's still in my head that it happened.
0: <laughs> nah, so yeah, he just reached through and has like a tug of war. Which is going to tie plate. in,
1: which is going to tie in with like a reveal later, even though we didn't talk about the stupid subplot he has going on, because <laughs> uh, it's not worth talking about. Yeah. Anyway, because of the way they handled it. I know I'll get to that. But so he finds out his mom was uh, in the hospital for endangering her son, which was Arthur and that he was adopted. And, you know, that he's not Thomas Wayne's son. Yeah, he's just and basically his entire existence is not at all what he thought it was. And he didn't even think it was a good existence, and it still got pulled out from under him.
0: Yeah, because uh, Thomas Wayne don't do pennies, he only does dimes.
1: Sorry, <laughs> sorry. But, carry on. <laughs> Why could that not have been your joke? That was a good joke. <laughs> Okay, serious question. How long have you been waiting to say that?
0: I just thought of it, honestly. (laughs) Okay, okay, I believe you. (laughs) Because I didn't even think of the Penny thing before you told me before you mentioned it.
1: Okay. (laughs) So, at this point in the movie, at this point in the podcast, we should say that during all of this, that there has been this subplot of Arthur as he's getting more and more confidence starting a relationship with his neighbor. Right. Who he, in the beginning of the movie stalked um and there's like been like him kissing her them like her being with him in the hospital with his mom
0: and on a date
1: and and on a date at the comedy club um, watching him at at the comedy club so at this point in the movie they reveal that arthur is just as delusional as his mom was and that this whole thing uh, so he's, you know, clearly got some, I assume some sort of, uh, schizophrenia. This entire subplot with, uh, the girlfriend has not happened. Uh, so in his rage at everything, he kills her. We assume, it doesn't show it, but he goes to her, her apartment, which is when we realize she'd doesn't know why he's there because they haven't had a relationship this whole time right and he's been imagining it and then you just see him walking out of the apartment and there's like blood on his shoes Hmm. yep so i think it's a safe assumption that he killed her i would say but so here's the thing i think that part of the movie would actually be better if it wasn't fake yeah like Give Arthur something and then let him ruin ruin it because yeah. he's now at the point where he's making the worst decisions.
0: Yeah, because if he if he if all he's doing is killing her because of his delusions, that just makes him more delusional if you're actually if he's killing somebody and like ruining what like you just said, but if he if he's the one killing her and ruining the one good thing he has in his life, then that's just showing how self destructive he is even more.
1: Yeah, or like if he gets in a fight with her because he is acting oddly about everything mm-hmm. and then just the instinct in him takes over and he just kills her i think that's a lot more dramatic than what happened here yeah i remember sitting in the theater and seeing that reveal that it was all fake and i was just like come on man yeah i feel like the this delusion, delusion was, was so, not necessary <laughs> so good up until this point it's such a cheap trick yeah you, can, and, you can cut that part out of the movie Arthur, and have
0: it still work, much like yeah. Dexter. Arthur
1: doesn't need to be delusional for this all to work, right? Um. Anyway, yeah, that's my soapbox for <laughs> story storytelling soapbox.
0: Um. So yeah, he finds that all out at the same time that around the same time this is going on, you see some news reports where Thomas Wayne is saying these uh, these riots are getting out of control. Uh, I am the only one who can. Save the city. I'm the one. I'm the only. So it's it's just funny. Yeah, exactly. It's just funny hearing them, hearing him talk about, you know, they're basically the rich are the only people that they think they're the only people who can save the country and the poor. They're the you know they have to help the poor and then by by doing that they end up resenting them for have for feeling like they're entitled and they need help. You know what I mean? So. It just mm-hmm. furthers that wealth inequality and the, you know, the, the lack of respect for one another.
1: Yeah. And this stuff isn't even stuff that's really, like, Arthur's getting pissed off at Thomas Wayne, but because of, he thinks it's his dad for a while. Like, this it's yes. not really the stuff that's pissing off Arthur. Mm-mm. It's pissing off everyone else in town. Yeah. So, like, as Thomas Wayne is saying all that stuff, like, the, the movement, the clown mask movement, is just getting bigger and bigger. Like, uh, it's getting a little more violent. Like, there's, like, some little fights breaking out at some of the protests. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then, Arthur gets the chance of a lifetime. Yeah. He's asked to come on Murray Franklin's show uh, basically just to talk and follow up because the segment of making fun of him was so popular mm-hmm. that... That they want to...
0: They want to meet the guy. Bring him
1: on. And, yeah, meet the guy. Laugh at him again. (laughs) Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, you know that Arthur knows that they just want to make fun of him again. And they don't actually care. Um, But he very menacingly agrees to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is what he dons on. Like, he goes full Joker, puts on the makeup.
0: But within that time, his mother dies. And he kills his mother. Yes, yeah, so I'm sorry. He kills his he, mother. He, he smothers her. He smothers her with a pillow. For lying to him. Yes, for lying to him about having Thomas Wayne as a father, etc. But that he just, he very stone-faced kills, like he holds a pillow over her face. He doesn't He doesn't react at all. And she, she stops breathing and then he lets go of the pillow and that's the end of the scene. She's dead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the cops then, come looking for him again.
1: Yeah, and then uh, his co-workers oh. come over to his apartment. Mm-hmm. The one who gave him the gun, and and the other one, that we didn't mention because he barely registers in the story. Yeah. Um. But because they know that the cops were looking at Arthur for shooting the guys in the subway, and that the gun came from this coworker, they just want to get their story straight. Right. You know, make 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 sure basically that it doesn't come back on On himself.
0: On him, yeah.
1: (laughs) And not really caring so much about Arthur, Uh, and Arthur just stabs him in the throat.
0: Yeah, and then, and, then,
1: and then the eye. <laughs> and then the eye. <laughs> like, There's just blood everywhere. It's, yeah, it's gruesome, It's man. pretty gory, yeah. And then uh, the other co-worker is just like in shock, as he yeah. should be. He doesn't know what to do. But he lets and him go
0: because he's the only one who was nice to him at the, you know, at the comedy, the whatever, the clown school, clown club he worked at.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're the only one who's ever nice to me, and he just lets him go. Yeah. Yeah. It's things make a different sort of sense to Arthur Fleck than it does to the rest of us. Right. Um, so he goes on Murray's show Well, after the cops chase him. In down his, in into his new, a subway again.
0: In his new uh, old school Joker suit and makeup.
1: Yeah, the classic purple Joker suit, green yeah. hair, Love it. white makeup. <laughs> uh, the. The already iconic dancing down uh, the stairs, the stairs yeah. sequence. It's weird that it's to... Um, uh,
0: Whatever the Rock Jack, and Roll Part James 2. Song
1: is. <laughs> yeah, it's called Rock and Roll Part 2. I know, I'm not even going to bother. Uh, <laughs> look it up. I'm, it's starting to be on Spotify. You've heard it a million times probably. Yes. But um, So they chase him into the subway. But, lucky him... <laughs> there's this there's this big protest mounting today. And so there's so many people in their clown masks and he's able to A get them pissed off at the cops mm-hmm. so that they attack the cops and then he's able to hide and escape. Yeah. Um and he dances away when he sees the crowd just pummeling the hell out of these cops.
0: Yep. He smiles um, and dances and then drops his, his, his the the clown mask his, he took off mask. someone else Yeah. And,
1: yeah. and he goes to Murray's show, and, uh, yeah, this is, this is where it starts getting, if it wasn't weighty before, it gets even weightier here, mm-hmm. I think,
0: Definitely. uh,
1: so, Murray has him on, again, he's in, like, full Joker mode, full confidence mode, like, he dances out, it's nothing, he had, he had previously in the movie practice how he would enter and talk to, mm-hmm. to Murray, But this is not at all like that. He just is working on instinct at this point. Yeah, he's being
0: very much himself.
1: Yeah, uh, because now he knows who he is. Yep. And he sits down, and he's just... If you were watching him on TV, all of us would say, this is a weird guy. (laughs) Have you ever seen um, when David Letterman was interviewing Crispin Glover in the 80s? Crispin Glover played George McFly in Back to the Future? No. No. and it was just this weirdly uncomfortable interview. You could tell Crispin Glover was uncomfortable. You could tell David Letterman was just like hating Crispin Glover. The beginning of this interview feels kind of like that, where uh, this is just people who are being interviewed don't act like this, and then yeah. when but when they do, you don't know what, what? to do about it. Right. <laughs> um because they're just not being what we would deem as normal. Normal, yeah. Uh and it starts getting really tense. Arthur very flippantly uh confesses to killing the three guys on the subway. And Murray just starts scolding him and just laying into him trying to get him to see that this was not a good thing to do. Yeah. And Arthur just doesn't care because he disagrees. Yeah. It was the right thing. He thinks it's the right thing for him to do. And Murray right doesn't. The the city's taking it. And Murray clearly doesn't.
0: Yeah. And Murray doesn't the listen state? to uh, Mark Marin when he's like, time to cut this segment. It's time to get, you know, cut and run. Get this guy out of here. We're done with this.
1: Yeah. And because he just keeps laying into Arthur, well... Arthur just pulls out his gun and shoots him in the head.
0: Well, what he says is, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash? You get what you deserve, and then he shoots him in the face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a great line. It is. But...
0: <laughs> and it's a great scene, because when, after he it shoots is. him in the face, he sits back down in the chair and crosses his legs and smiles and looks at the crowd. Like, I, I love that nothing else... Like, it, it doesn't erupt into a crazy scene. It's just... Shot, sit down, like, calm, smile, like, I did what I came yeah. here to do. And then he gets up and shoots him again in the chest, just for good measure. And then he sits yeah. back down again.
1: It is. It's a great scene. Not a super easy one to watch. But yeah. neither was him stabbing the dude in the throat. Yeah. Um, so, Arthur gets arrested. And, uh, that is what happens next, right? They it is, They yeah. just come and take him. Mm-hmm. But because of the protests that were already going on, which were huge and uncontrollable, uh, because of Arthur's confession on TV and then shooting of Murray Franklin on live TV, the city is just in chaos. The city is on fire. And even though he's, you know, the cop who's driving him is like, look at this. You, You did all of this. This is all... Because of you. And Arthur's like, yeah, isn't it beautiful?
0: Yeah, he's like, I know. And he smiles. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, But uh, uh, an ambulance rams into the car. Ambulance driven by someone in a a clown mask. mask Helps Arthur get to his feet. And Arthur just kind of, you know. He takes his his place as
0: the the head of this this movement. (laughs) He stands yeah, up on top of the cop st- car and raises his arms and everybody cheers and for him.
1: everyone cheers him on while someone in a clown mask shoots Thomas and Martha Wayne,
0: And the pearls uh, spill across the alley in that iconic, it's they, they a, always got to have iconic the Iconic moment, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. One thing I, I think is actually cool about that scene is that that's one of those like backstory moments. and Not that I know a whole lot about comic books, but it's one of those backstory moments in comic books where sometimes in batman's backstory it's the joker who kills him who Mm -hmm. kills his parents and sometimes it's not it might have actually been the tim burton movie that introduced the idea that it was the joker that killed batman's Mm. parents but um and a lot of other times this is dude called joe cool i think yeah joe cool Mm. but in this movie they get to have it both ways yeah because it's not the Joker who kills Batman's parents, but he is wearing a Joker mask.
0: And if it weren't for the Joker, this guy would not have been inspired to go out there and be, you know, killing rich people.
1: Yeah, so it's... De
0: facto, it was the Joker who killed him.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was kind of a brilliant way of just like, we don't need to pick one. That's have both. Yeah. But Arthur ends up in a mental hospital, as, as he should be. It's clearly a danger to himself and society mm-hmm. uh, because he doesn't give a crap about society. <clears throat> and then he... It, it, it's that great line where he's just laughing and she's like, what are you laughing at? He's like, oh, I just thought of a joke. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, well, what was it? And he's just like, uh, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> so, so then he kills his therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he just walks away. You see the blood. And yeah. then he just gets chased by orderlies and leads them on what seems to be a sort of merry chase yeah. while that's life plays. Yeah,
0: and, and it's, it's a... Creepy as pres- shit. Presumably will escape from Arkham Asylum. <laughs> and, oh, of course. Um,
1: at, at some point. At
0: some point, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I like making the, two more. The way that it ended with them running back and forth in kind of a like an old style comedy routine.
1: Yeah. Like a cartoon. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like Scooby Doo.
0: It was like, I, I they, they did such a good job at like playing off the extreme violence with like these light hearted kind of silly moments. Um, or at least cinematography wise with the, with stuff like that. I, I, I appreciated the juxtaposition and, um, yeah, yeah. Good ending. Creepy movie overall, but
1: <laughs> agreed. Well, I say we take a break,
0: get some water, get
1: more water, (laughs) talk about lessons for probably like 20 minutes. Sounds good. We'll be right back. (laughs) We'll be right back. All right. Um. All right. Well, I th- I think we're back.
0: I think we never really know. We're back, man. <laughs> all right. We'll use that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I hope that was a Will Arnett impression, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, it's it's as close to it's probably the closest I can get to a Batman as Will Arnett's Batman.
0: So we're gonna talk about some lessons with club sauce. <laughs> with clubs oh. <laughs> alright yours is much better than mine <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I had something that I wanted specifically to talk about in lessons we'll see if I remember it but clearly let's take care of those who can't take care of themselves yeah Man, I do, we have a responsibility I think like as a society to make sure the the citizens at the bottom aren't just trampled on.
0: Definitely. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier, is like, by excluding people with mental illness from society, that just, all that does is push them to the fringes, and then eventually make them dependent on something, or desperate, which eventually is going to turn into, you know, if if it happens bad enough, that they're going to do something violent, or crazy, or they're going to end up... In jail or committed because of this, and then we demonize those. We we demonize the actions, but we don't look at the root of the problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if we don't take care of, like you said, if we don't take care of the the people who need help in our society, then all that does is say is tell everyone as a society that. The only people who matter are the people at the top and the people who are rich enough to afford whatever healthcare or you know wh- wh- the people who are able to earn respect and uh, and and we don't have any reason to respect the people on the bottom. So by perpetuating that, we're you know what 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 are we as a society at that point?
1: America, I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: capitalists. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um... It's
0: just. Yeah, it's
1: frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating, but it's also like just such a dense topic that I don't even know where to branch out. Well, one of the biggest because, things because it's all in there. It's all in there. The the capitalism is in there. The mm-hmm. the mental health is in there. Um. The um, the cops only protecting the rich people is in there. Yeah. Like the the, the cops don't do anything to to help anyone, but the three people who got killed by Arthur. And they should be investigating that crime. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. Right, yeah. But there's just so much more going on in Gotham. Yes.
0: It's the kind of thing that you would hear. I mean, this movie was released at a perfect time and ties in with oh, yeah. all of the stuff that we're seeing go on over the past, however, you know, five years. And it, and it has just gotten worse with time. But this then this movie really ties into that really well. Um, a lot like uh, The Hate You Give. Did as well. Like it, it, really you know hit hit a few few cores with, with what we've been seeing recently. Um, but the biggest thing I thought about in this movie was perspective, because I mean that it's a it's a film it's a tool used in film. Like in this case, we're seeing it from the perspective of Arthur. So right. when you show the perspective of somebody who we think of as a villain, and you start to understand them, and you see it, from, you start to root for them a little bit, you know, because of the way the film is told. And you see more of their, you see what's going on in their head. And then I also thought the social worker, like she wasn't giving him the attention he wanted. And he, she wasn't listening to him or helping him. But then you find out, well, she also has a story. Like everybody has a story. <laughs> like we don't know the, yeah. the thing that everyone is dealing with. So he is upset with her because she represents a system that is failing him while she is upset with the same system because they're being defunded and she's going to lose a job as well. So, like, it's just a cascade of systemic issues that, that cause all these problems from the top down.
1: Yeah. just saying, maybe if they took some of those funds from the Gotham Police Department and put it towards mental health, none of this shit would have happened.
0: <laughs> Do we really need a bat sub?
1: Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's years down the line, man. I know. <laughs> um, and, and that would have been funded with Bruce Wayne's own money, which true. he should be funding some mental health too. Thomas Wayne should definitely yeah. be putting that shit up. Anyway.
0: Yeah. He's um, got to Mark cuban this stuff.
1: But I'm glad he brought up the idea of perspective because when this movie came out last year, um, <clears throat> like even before it came out, there was like controversy and, and backlash because people didn't think that making... Uh, a movie that was empathetic towards this type of character like an anarchist whatever character with, right. with deep rooted tr- problems was was good and that it, it was only gonna make people more accepting of those kinds of actions which is not the fucking point at all
0: yes a lot of people missed the point when this came out
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, my whole thing was that uh, empathy, doesn't breed uh excusing it breeds understanding because and un- which is important because understanding is the only way we're ever gonna fix things yeah like you can't fix a a thing if you don't know where it's broken and like just because that's where the leak is you know doesn't mean that there's not a problem somewhere else that actually is causing all the problems yeah so Ah. Uh, Like, that, it was just so frustrating, because even before the movie came out, it was, like, so obvious that, like, well, I was like, well, maybe let me see the movie, but if it's a good movie, then it it probably will be that, and then it ended up being that, but I don't know, man, people.
0: I mean, yeah, and and the the perspective of... People who don't want, like people who will turn a blind eye because they, they have the money that they don't have to worry about this, but they turn a blind eye to all the people who are suffering, who are the rats in this situation. They, you know, they live in a, you know, 50, 50th floor penthouse. They don't have rats, they're on the bottom floor. They can ignore that. They don't have to deal with the rats, they don't have to worry about it. But just like rising tides, like if the, tide, if, if the sea levels are going to rise, doesn't matter if you're on the 50th floor if the base of your building gets eroded when the tides come up and overtake the city you are that's going to affect you eventually you know you can't hide from it forever so by just you know by turning your back on these people it's going to end up growing and growing and end up you know becoming a problem as well so like it becomes a problem for all of society as well like if if the if the if it becomes the 1% and the 99% are down here and can't afford anything, all those people who are making money off of the 99%, they're not going to be making money anymore because if they don't have the money to pay for it, to pay for anything and invest in society, then these people are, you know, that's going to eventually affect them in the long run. So by this, the wealth inequality becoming worse and worse, you end up, you know, it's going to end up tipping the scales eventually.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think you put it way better than I would have. I mean, there's so much money in this country. There's so much debt in this country, but there's so much money in this country, we could could fund whatever we want.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, you just look at everything that's going on in this country right now, and you see the people in charge just not even... It's not even just on, like, one side of the political spectrum, because, like... I mean, you and I are both very liberal, but I think you you would agree that not even all of the Democrats in, in the government are know what to do, or no. are, are, are 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 willing to do what it takes to to stem the problem where where the problem actually is. No, I was and I was hesitant. It just keeps to, getting worse.
0: I was hesitant hesitant previously to align myself. With Democrats in general, just because I was not happy with the Democratic Party and what they were doing as a whole, uh, but the more things have become pushed to the other side from the Republican standpoint, the Democrats that maybe haven't changed very much are looking a whole lot better right now in comparison. So
1: they certainly are. You know,
0: um, um, and but I still don't believe that. You know, I still think politics are generally corrupt in Uh, many in many ways and there are some shining examples of people who are doing good things which i hope there are more of those after the next couple of elections but uh yeah there's it's definitely hard to just pick one group and say these people are doing the right thing versus the wrong thing but there's a there's a lot to be fixed
1: yeah well i mean like you said it's all it's all perspective Mm -hmm. right so can't you can't Picking one group and always aligning with that one group is always a bad decision. Right. Because other groups will have a dif- different perspective. And even if you think they're wrong most of the time, every once in a while they're going to get something right. So you actually need them there. Yeah. As much as I hate to say it about, you know, the other party.
0: Well. Every would, once in a while. Without a good villain, there wouldn't be Batman. I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, without, at the same time, without someone to keep you would check, you would become the villain. But the way we do it here in this country is just awful, and the two-party system is one of my least favorite things. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is no longer Lessons. This is <laughs> Politics Corner with Don and Chuck.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, okay, but to get back to the movie itself, uh, what Arthur actually says is, no one in this country or no one in the city i think he says no one in the city listens to anybody anymore like it's he realizes it's not just him it's everybody's everybody's me everybody's angry nobody listens to anyone nobody cares about anybody else and that's kind of what has been happening it's like the polarization on one side or the other pushing away from each other makes them end up butting heads with each other and just not listening like you were saying like without understanding, you, or, you know, you can't have empathy and understanding without actually taking the time to listen to the other person's perspective and see what their story is and why they feel the way they do and what they think the solutions are. Even if you don't agree with it, you can't disagree with it without listening to it first, you know. <laughs> you can't just disagree with it out of hand just because they are wrong, that you think they're wrong on other, you know, on other things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, I also want to point out that just because the movie is asking you to to empathize with Arthur it's not asking you ever to excuse the things that he does. Um, right. Like there's absolutely no reason for Murray Frank- Franklin to be shot in the head. Yeah. Maybe he shouldn't be on TV anymore because he's <laughs> still making old stupid jokes and making fun of people but doesn't deserve to be shot in the head for it you know right. like just because you understand where someone's coming from that doesn't mean everything they do is okay you understand where it's coming from but if they still do something wrong they still do something wrong right they still need to go to get whatever punishment it is but i don't know i i don't know what point i'm trying to make here
0: no I mean I get but I I think I think we're all we're we're both dancing around the same ideas of what we've already said is that you know it, without any empathy for everyone you know and and the understanding that everyone in society has their own issues and has their own problems and has a right to Life and you know whatever you want to whatever you want to say life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> However you want to think of it, it's just like realizing that no matter like somebody's income level should not affect their worth in your eyes. You know, and so by relegating sometimes, the poor to one side, where,
1: yeah. You know, uh, so, sometimes and someone's uh, IQ right shouldn't matter either. I know I have been you know in the past uh not so great about that sometimes uh around someone who i don't necessarily think is intelligent Mm -hmm. and then i probably am not as nice to them or not as respectful to them because of it and that's that's my fault yeah you know um i get that for 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 not Mm -hmm. seeing it from from their perspective or, or just Treating them as lesser, mm-hmm. they're not lesser of a human. That's just me saying what I think a human should be, and then being wrong about that.
0: Right. No, I understand. I've, I mean, I've, I've definitely done the same thing where, I, even if it was in certain ways, where I'll just expect someone to know something, <laughs> and I'm like, how do you how do you not know this thing? Um, where a lot of the stuff that I know are jingles from commercials from the '90s. <laughs> that no one else should be expected to know. But, I mean, other stuff too where I'm like, I thought that was common knowledge. But this other person is also much more emotionally intelligent than me or much more uh, analytically intelligent. Like, they, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of specific people here that I won't mention, but I mean, like, other people who I've criticized for not knowing certain things. And then I realize, like, oh, you, but you know, you're so much smarter than me on this and you're so much more, you know, you have so much more of these qualities that I wish I had and seeing how you know we all balance out is important yeah. to to see that
1: or like I see so many people who are just like so giving of themselves which is something I'm not particu- particularly good at yeah um, <laughs> and I'm just like how how does that come so naturally to you like I hmm. I have to work to be less than that mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like I'll never be as as giving is that because the natural part just adds the oomph, you know? Right. But, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone has something to add in one way or another, if you let them.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to let them. And you have to be open to it. And you have to, you also have to and, and this doesn't really come with the, with the movie but you also have to look at yourself and see those things in ourselves and realize where our failings are, even if those failings are not recognizing especially if those things are not recognizing the worth in other people
1: definitely <laughs> um, this has become a big old rambling lessons uh, <laughs> segment I don't know I don't know if you realize that this is a
0: much like the social dilemma where this is all stuff you already know
1: yeah, but I, we're putting I, I it all no right here what, I have no idea what the fuck we just said
0: no, like, there were a lot I of words. I think we just
1: said the same thing twenty times in a row.
0: I think that's correct that's what it is. we're just we just want to hammer this point home. I'm not even yeah, sure what sorry, the point sorry, was. sorry, sorry, folks. Be nice to people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> be nice to people. They. Yes.
0: Yeah. No one deserves yeah. to be shot in the face or stabbed in and the. And now eye. we're
1: just saying it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, do you have any fun questions for this movie? <sighs>
1: I don't think so. Um, I was going to try to write like some bad jokes, but I never got around to it.
0: <laughs> do we have any listener mail? All right. So we do have a listener mail from the Final Take podcast uh, Instagram. They've asked us uh, what our favorite Michael Bay film is. Thanks for the question.
1: You know, I used to always say... The Rock, because that's probably actually his best one. But my favorite one is probably Armageddon. Hmm. Armageddon's just so fun. Hmm. It's not good.
0: <laughs>
1: but, I, but I really like watching it.
0: Mine is definitely The Rock. <laughs> I, I, I knew you were going to say
1: it. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's just... It, it is, it, I, to, for me, that just defines Michael Bay. There's, you know... I mean, it's got Nick Cage and Sean Connery, which is great for me. I love it. And it's got so much ridiculous action. It's got a Hummer car chase scene in downtown San Francisco. It's got ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads, or with, no, no, sorry, not with nuclear warheads, with uh, uh, chemical, biological weapons uh, aimed at, at, uh, at the city that ends up getting shot into the chest of a guy and shoot and firing him across the bay on a missile, <laughs> like there's so much Michael Bay in there that you know it's hard it's hard to, to overstate how, how how amazing it is, and, and I, I'm not a, I'm not really a Michael Bay fan in any way, but I like like that sec that era of time of his movies, <laughs> so um, it's Armageddon. also
1: guy. Johnny C McGinley. Ah uh, yes, yes it does. <laughs> uh,
0: it is a good cast. It's a very good cast. Uh, and what? And um, Ed, Ed, Harris. Ed Harris is great as that general. The island was that him?
1: Yes, the okay. island was him. I like. I like that, I like that, that one film. was fine. Yeah, that that's one of those movies where it was like a really good premise, and then the movie was okay. Sounds like Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, lessons: Watch Michael Bay movies. Don't think you know, the, too. The, don't think the, too, the, too the,
1: hard. Yeah, the, the lessons got out of hand there for like 10 minutes, but we'll see how we edit.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for sticking around for this long, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah. And, thanks. Uh,
1: if you've made it past the lessons, oh, God bless you.
0: Good for you, yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to find us on the social media and give us a question to answer in the next podcast so we can stop rambling about lessons, uh, you can find us at imitating art pod on the twitter and more importantly the instagram
1: uh if you want to email us you can email us at imitatingart1 at gmail.com uh if you want to email i don't know how many people send emails anymore but (laughs) it's there
0: the guy in the social dilemma says he's addicted to email still so it's it's still a thing in silicon valley um, and if you huh. want to find us uh, individually, you can find me on, uh, on Instagram at, uh, don't worry. I'm finite. And I also, I'd also like to mention that now you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash don't worry. I'm finite.
1: I forgot. I wanted to congratulate you on getting <laughs> your hundred and hundred and first subscribers on YouTube so that you could get your, uh, URL. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thunderous applause. <laughs> and and find I,
1: I, I, I finally watched those videos too uh, go right. watch Don's videos they, they're actually really good believe it or not um, <laughs> you can hit me up on pretty much any social media out there under Big F and Moose uh, spelled like it sounds I think. Yes.
0: that's where I follow you on Pinterest
1: <laughs> I probably have made a Pinterest and if I had it's <laughs> under Big F and Moose
0: <laughs> nice well anyway it's been actual
1: it's been actual wow we are just you guys can't believe all the editing that we've done
0: <laughs> this one's going to turn into it this is going to turn into. we're an hour and a half in this is going to turn into a 40-minute episode <laughs> yeah
1: all right all you're right. right it's been actual it's been real a little too real at times but uh th- thanks for listening everybody yep we will
0: see you next time
1: you can't see it but i'm waving
0: will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.